Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove. And as always, we are joined by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. Today, we are discussing, or we will discuss, the Cavaliers and what they've been going through lately. Cavaliers lost on Monday night to the LeBron James-led Los Angeles Lakers, 131-120. to Cavaliers currently 41-31 and on the season. Um, and they have a huge game coming up tomorrow night, Thursday night, against the Toronto Raptors at 7.30 in Toronto. As, cur- as things currently are, Cavaliers in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference trying to hold off those very same Toronto Raptors. Toronto is a game behind Cleveland, seven back. Cavaliers are six back of the top seed. Um, Toronto is 40-32. and 32. Cleveland is 41-31. Uh, Cavaliers have been playing well as of late. Uh, got some big wins um, over some quality opponents. Uh, they beat the Pistons. They beat the Nuggets. Uh, beat the Clippers, and while you know playing well against the Sixers, but not getting the job done. So, Chris, what is the state of the Cavaliers right now? I mean, there's about a month left, um, and all they're trying to do is hold off that seventh seed, I think. I think that's kind of their goal um, as they await the return of Jared Allen um, and, you know, continue to just grow here. Yeah, man, I mean, I think they're in a good place, right? Um, I feel like they could be playing better both offensively and defensively. They obviously could be healthier at this stage of the season. But they're in a good place because they're in the driver's seat for the final guaranteed playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, coming into the year with little expectations, and the expectations obviously changed as the season went on, um, all they care about is avoiding the play-in tournament at this point in time and guaranteeing themselves a playoff series. Because we've talked about this, Hayden. Um you know, young up-and-coming teams, they've got to go through these steps. And you can't shortcut the process in any sort of way. And if you think about it, Memphis was able to parlay a playoff appearance last year into this rise that we've seen from them. The Golden State Warriors a number of years ago, when their dynasty was first starting, they had to take that step as an organization and get to the playoffs and feel a playoff series and experience that. Because it's one thing for Kevin Love and Rajon Rondo and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen to tell Darius what to expect when the playoffs roll around or what the environment is going to be like, what it's going to take for for him from a mental and physical standpoint to compete in a playoff series. Like They can tell all of these guys all of those things and they can give all those stories of the past, but 
as J.B. Bickerstaff said the other night, the only way that you truly understand it is by going through it and feeling it at that particular level. So they're in a good spot. Um, one game up on the Toronto Raptors, not to mention they hold the tiebreaker over Toronto no matter what happens on Thursday night at Scotiabank Arena. So given um, everything that they've been through throughout the course of the season and recently, the fact that they can finish the season you know, five and five, and that would demand Toronto finishing seven and three, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, as you mentioned, Cavs have 10, game, 10 games left, five at home, five on the road. Um, the road games include Toronto tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, they play Atlanta Thursday, March 31st, at New York on Saturday, April 2nd, at Orlando, at Brooklyn, uh, Friday or Tuesday, April 5th, and Friday, April 8th. So the remaining away games, Toronto, Atlanta, New York, Orlando, Brooklyn, the remaining home games, Chicago, Orlando, Dallas, uh, Philly, and Milwaukee. So a couple of tough ones to end the season, yeah. but... You mentioned something that's really interesting, um, and it's something we've we've talked about throughout the season. But the Cavaliers, you know, they they've been so good defensively, and all of a sudden you're seeing, um, you know, they've allowed 124, 117, uh, 111, 118, 116, 130 or 109, 131 to the Lakers, and a lot of that was LeBron James. But is that just a byproduct of them missing Jared Allen? How much is that hurting them? And and, you know, what can be done in the meantime to kind of bolster that defense? Is it just a matter of effort and, and um, them kind of maybe, you know, losing a little steam down the stretch? Or do they really just need Jarrett back to secure that defense? I mean, I would love to sit here and say that the only reason why their defense has slipped is because Jarrett isn't in there protecting the paint, anchoring the defense, and giving them this unique three, seven-footer tall ball look. Um, but, but I think it goes beyond that be honest with you um i think one of the underlying issues is that it's just really really difficult for a team to play with the level of intensity and the level of effort that the Cavs were showing at the beginning of the season to play like that for 82 games in a regular season is just asking a lot and i think the team is gassed i think they're physically and mentally drained and it's nobody's fault they've dealt with a lot throughout the course of the season um, they've been relying on guys that are 13 through 16 in this rotation, or at least we're supposed to be 13 through 16 in this rotation. And J.B. Bickerstaff, <laughs> you know, for a majority of this regular season, Hayden, he's played nine guys. Nine yep. guys in his rotation. Darius is playing 40 minutes a night. Evan Mobley is playing 40 minutes a night. So beyond the fact that, yes, they're missing Jarrett, and he is a critical component to them being successful defensively. I think they're exhausted. And I, I don't know that they're going to get, you know, a second win once the playoffs roll around. Maybe they do. Um, maybe they get uplifted by Jarrett coming back and Dean Wade coming back and, and feeling more healthy, more whole than they do right now. But I, I think there was always going to be natural slippage and natural regression because they just couldn't play at the same level. Like the level of compete that they were showing at the beginning of the season simply was not sustainable for 82 games, especially when you throw in all the injuries that they've had to deal with um, throughout the course of this season. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, that, that was the question I was going to ask was like, you know, where, yeah, where can they find that boost? I mean, is it is it possible? Are they, you know, they have 10 games left and, 
they're not going to have that much time between the postseason or the, the regular season and the postseason. So will they get a boost or will this be something that they just kind of learn from where they have to kind of, um, you know, not play the way that, you know, the Cavs used to play when LeBron was here and kind of coast at times during the regular season. But like, do they have to find a level to when they can ramp it up instead of just playing the way that they play all year round? Well, that's the problem, right? They're not Milwaukee, right? They're not the Phoenix Suns. They're not the Memphis Grizzlies. For the Cavs, every game is meaningful. Look at them right now. They're in a fight for their lives just to avoid the play-in tournament, despite how well they've played for a majority of the season, despite having the rookie of the year frontrunner, despite having a six-man-of-the-year candidate in Kevin Love, despite having multiple all-stars. Here they are scratching and clawing just to hold off Toronto and Brooklyn. So they're not the kind of team that can afford to rest Darius Garland on some nights. You know what I mean? They're yep. not the kind of team that, that can take um, the approach that, that you're talking about. And, and part of the reason for it, it, it would be great if, if they could sit here at the end of this regular season and say, we're not going to play Darius the entire second half. You know what I mean? We're going to try and give him rest throughout the course of the second half. But their team completely collapses when Darius isn't out there on the court. So because they're dealing with these injuries currently and because of the situation that they're in where they're fighting just to hold off Toronto and Brooklyn, they can't take that approach. Right. Right. It's a difficult, difficult uh, thing to balance, 100%. And I think that they kind of – I mean, like – Go ahead. Let's say – Let's say they wanted to rest Darius, right, on the second night of a back-to-back or, or just, like, in a tough stretch um, to finish out this season. And, and let's say they lose that game. That could be the difference between them getting um, the number six seed or them falling to number seven. It, it kind of – all of this kind of goes to show that they need another um, – I know that at, like it, it's kind of a weird situation because I think even next year I think Darius will take even a step further. I think Evan will be even better. I think that you know even like guys like Jared Allen will be better. Maybe even Karis Levert. But it goes to show that they need a player like a Collin who could come in and, and, and kind of give them that offense that would be desperately missing with with Darius Garland. And I don't know if it's going to be Collin, but like I think that's what they brought Karis Levert in for. But thus far, I mean between injuries and whatnot right. and, and being acclimated, I just don't think Gick Karras is that player as of just yet. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if we're evaluating that trade, it's obviously incomplete because there are a lot of things that he needs to figure out and there are a lot of things that the Cavs need to figure out with him. Um, in saying that, if you wanted to be a little bit harsher about it, you could, and you could say that it has not been anything close to what the Cavs expected it to be. Um, Harris hasn't been the player that the Cavs expected him to be. Darius Garland called him the missing piece. You know, they gave up multiple draft picks, including a protected first-rounder, in order to get him because he was supposed to be a little bit of Colin and a little bit of Ricky. And he has not. Um, you know, he had a couple of games before the All-Star break where he came up big in the fourth quarter and he hit some clutch shots and you could – kind of see the potential, right? You could see the vision of of what this could be. Um, But for 
a majority of the time that, that he has been with the Cavs, and obviously circumstances are tied to this, but a majority of the time that he's been with the Cavs, um, he hasn't looked like he's fit in. He hasn't looked very comfortable. He hasn't been efficient offensively. He hasn't been that lethal scorer that he showed himself to be in Indiana. Um, and there's time for that to happen. And a big reason why they got Karras was for the playoffs, because in the playoffs it's about can you beat your man, right? Can you just go get a bucket? Everybody knows what everybody is running. Uh, you can't really get tricky when it comes to defensive schemes and stuff like that because uh, the Cavs know what's going to come from the opposing defense. And um, you can say the same thing, vice versa. So it really does come down to, can you beat your man? Can you just go out and create something out of nothing? Can you just go get a bucket when everything is working against you? And it remains to be seen if he can be effective for them, you know, in that kind of environment with more time, with more chemistry, with more reps. But at this point in time, he has not been the player that the Cavs thought they were trading for from Indiana if we're being harsh about it. Yeah, I would agree. But and and I think you're I think that, you know, it was kind of I before the before the, you know, the All-Star break, I think he you, he did show signs of that. I think you saw him playing right. it's the Pacers, he had a huge night like he can do it. Right. I, you're right. I think it's just a matter of like him being healthy, him being comfortable and um, you know, maybe that will I mean it's, it's a horrible set of circumstances for a guy. It's difficult as it is Talk about what Derek White is trying to make the transition for Boston, right? He's been going through some ups and downs. James Harden has been going through ups and downs with the Philadelphia 76ers. So when you join a team midway through the season, there are going to be growing pains. J.B. Bickerstaff admitted expecting some. Harris admitted expecting some. I talked to Doc Rivers about it the other night when he was here with the 76ers in Cleveland. He said you would like to snap your fingers and have it happen the next day, but that's not realistic. You just hope that you have it together in time for the postseason. So that's obviously what the Cavs are hoping for as well. And and his transition was made more difficult because of the injury and because it was a foot injury, so he couldn't get the kind of reps that he wanted to get. And all those different factors obviously play into it, and you can't discount any of that, but – they need him to be better if they're going to make a deeper run in the postseason than a lot of people think. They need him to be better. They need him to take pressure off of Darius on the offensive end. And part of the reason for that, bringing it full circle, Hayden, is because the Cavs, like, they don't have the same comfort in their defense that the defense is going to keep them in games. The defense is going to keep them competitive. The defense is going to be able to overcome a night that the offense scores, you know, 96 to low hundreds. You know what I mean? When the defense is giving up 35 points in a quarter to the Lakers and 39 points in another quarter to the Lakers, the offense scored 120 the other night against Los Angeles. And they lost by double digits. Those weren't really the things that we were seeing so much at the beginning of the season because the defense was keeping them competitive. The defense was allowing their offense um, to not function at a top five level or something along those lines, or even a top 10 level. So I think the defense is going to improve when Jarrett gets back. I mean, look, this is somebody who I have been giving a lot of consideration to my awards voting at the end of the year, and I was looking at his metrics, and he was going to get a spot probably, and he still might, on my all-defensive team. Like That's how good he's been. Um, 
So the defense is going to get a boost with him coming back, in part because you'll again have two rim protectors instead of just Mobley, which is what it is right now. You'll have two switchable bigs instead of just Mobley, which is what it is right now. Like the beauty of what the Cavs did early in the season with Mobley and Allen is that they had two elite game-changing defensive players. You know, two guys that you could consider as part of the potential all-defensive team in the NBA. You take one of those out, and Mobley's still been great, and he still protects the rim, and he's become the anchor of the defense and the mouthpiece of the defense. But more falls on him, and you have one less guy to cover up mistakes defensively or fix when the, the guards, whether it's Darius Garland, Rajon Rondo, Brandon Goodwin, even Isaac Okoro, when there's a breakdown at the perimeter, you only have one guy to potentially erase that as opposed to two, and that makes a significant difference. So with all that said, I mean, what when do you think could Jared Allen come back? I mean, where, where is he at? Where have you heard? What have you, you know, what are your thoughts on when he could be back in uh in a Cavaliers uniform. So I've talked to people close to Jarrett, and first of all, there is no specific timetable. There can't be, because it's a fractured bone that has to heal on its own without surgery, and it's just like, how fast is it going to heal on its own? Nobody can predict that. Maybe it's three weeks from the time of the injury. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's five. It's just really, really difficult. If he were to have the surgery or whatever, there's a specific recovery period attached to that. Um, so nobody knows for sure, but I've talked to people close to Jarrett, and they are hopeful and optimistic that he is going to be back before the end of the regular season. In saying that, or to add on to that, J.B. Vickerstaff was asked in Miami uh, about a week ago, a little more than a week at this point in time, if there was any concern of, of this being a season-ending thing with Jarrett. And he said no. Um, but again, that takes into account if the Cavs get to the playoffs, right? Right. But the optimism and the hope is that, that Jarrett does make it back before the regular season finale against the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, that's not a guarantee. Nobody's going to... You know, say that publicly at this point in time, they're going to continue to take it day by day, and they're going to continue to say it's unknown for sure, but that is the hope of Jarrett. Right, and that certainly, you know, that seems like it could very well be the case that he can make it back, which is good, which is, is exactly what they need. So, like I said... But for now, right, he's still in a brace and he's still in a splint. I think most of the swelling has gone down, which is a really good sign, but the fact that he's still in the brace and the splint will kind of tell you everything you need to know about him trying to keep that thing stabilized, him trying to get that thing to recover properly, get the rest that he needs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, do you think that he's still doing, like, do you think he'll be in basketball shape? I mean, he's, you know, it's a finger, so you would, you know, while he yeah. might not be able to play, he's still probably doing cardio, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot different than the situation that Karis LeVert was in coming back from a sprained foot, you know what I mean? And that's part of the reason why Karis continues to be on a minute restriction is because while he was sidelined, there wasn't a lot that he could do. And you're right, it is different when it comes to Jarrett because it's a finger. 
All right, so Jared Allen has 10 games to get back for the Cavaliers before the playoffs start. Like I said, they have 10 left, five at home, five on the road. Chris, as I mentioned, the Cavaliers currently sixth in the Eastern Conference standings, and they do play a big game against Toronto tomorrow night. Um, if we want to look a little bit into the future, I mean, say the Cavaliers, you know, obviously if they're in the play-in tournament, that's a whole different ballgame. But say the Cavaliers do make the sixth seed. Say they, they, say they hold off um, – you know, say they hold off everybody, say they hold off Toronto and maintain the sixth seed. Right now, I believe they would play the Philadelphia 76ers, the third seed, right? That would be, yeah. yeah. So I believe, I didn't look at it last night specifically, but I believe that that's right. Okay. So say they play Philly. Um, is it good enough? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can just expand upon it a little more. Is it good enough that they just make the playoffs? Because I think Philly is a horrible matchup for them on a couple of levels. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know if the Cavaliers would make a, you know, maybe they would, they would, maybe they would make it a series, but I don't know if they'd win a series. Is it enough that they would make the playoffs? Like, is that, is that, would that be considered like, that's the goal, that's the ceiling? Um, or do they need to kind of make it a, a series against a team like Philly? Like to, to say, okay, we've had a successful year. Is a complete cop out to say that it depends on, on the opponent that they have. No, no, because I agree. Because that, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. So the way that I view it, and, and I sort of disagree about Philly, because Philly is pretty Jekyll and Hyde, to be honest with you, and they're still trying to figure out the Harden and Bede thing. On yeah. one hand, it's a horrible matchup because the Cavs have absolutely nobody who can deal with Jared Allen. Right. And I mean, uh, with, with Joel Embiid, even Jared Allen, even if Jared gets back, like, it's a different kind of animal to play against Joel Embiid. That was entirely um, my yeah. Right. But in saying that, you know, Philly is very streaky when it comes um, to outside shooting. Um, Philly still obviously has to work through the James Harden stuff. And they go through these stretches even during games where they look completely horrendous. Um so because of their Jekyll and Hyde nature, like, I think I think the Cavs could stay competitive in that particular series. Um, so if, if we're being honest, you know, to me, if they were to match up against Milwaukee, I mean, I, I think that would be a demolition. Yeah. I think that could be very, very close to a sweep. So if they avoid Milwaukee, you know, that would obviously be very good. Um, if, if they were to match up against Miami, I think that would be tough on them as well. And I don't want to say sweep, but I, I wouldn't like their chances and my expectations would be a little bit different in that kind of series. Okay, and then you can look at, like, the Chicago Bulls, and I think the Cavs could be competitive with them if that were the first-round opponent. Yep. And, and I think you just have to, like, kind of look at it that sort of way, Hayden. And if, if we got into the postseason and the Cavs' first-round matchup was Philly or Chicago, my expectations would be different than if the Cavs' 
first round opponent was Milwaukee or Miami. Right. That makes sense. Boston Celtics also in there. What would your expectation be with them? But, with them? Yeah, I, I think that would be a route in favor of Boston. Really? Yes, I do. What's they the are playing at so they're playing at such a high level right now, and it goes even beyond that. Um, like their defense is terrific, like unbelievably terrific. Yeah, they would. It would definitely be an issue for the Cavaliers. I mean, they have been had a meteoric rise um, and are only two and a half games out of the top seed. So there's still ways to shake this out. I mean, okay. Philly and Boston are, are tied in the standings with a two and a half back. Milwaukee's two back. So in Cleveland and Chicago are five and six back. So there's still shakeups that could happen within the Eastern Conference from there. I mean, it's not, you know, these, these standings right now definitely aren't set in stone. But um, I do agree that with each team, there is a different level of kind of, of um, yeah, there's a level, different level of expectation with who the Cavaliers would play. But the good news is, like I said, we don't we don't know who they're going to play. We don't know where they're going to be. I think the only expectation that they have right now is to kind of get through uh, and and make the playoffs, not the play in. Um, Chris, if you, if there's nothing else you got, or if there's anything else you if you have, let me know. But I did want to talk about a little bit about the other night with LeBron James. Um, if you want to talk about that, if you want to talk about anything Cavaliers wise before that, let me know. No, LeBron's good. We can talk about LeBron a little bit. Okay, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about LeBron James' effort against the Cavaliers the other night and, uh, you know, what may come in the future. So hold on, stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Mining Gold Talk podcast. Before the break, I hinted a little bit. I wanted to hit uh, to hit on LeBron James, who had a monster night the other night against the Cavaliers, um, wearing his... So the shoes that he wore, I forget the actual name of them. I've seen, you know, we've seen him wear them. They were the, it was the first time LeBron ever recorded a triple double in a playoff game with the Cavs, I believe in 2006, he brought them back and he did the same thing. He recorded a triple double 38, 12 and 10, um, or 10 and 12, I should say 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Um, just the guy, the guy doesn't seem to age, but I think more importantly, you know, we've talked about LeBron and his future and whatnot. And I don't know if Cleveland is a legitimate option, but, um, it just every time he comes home, it just it does seem special. And I don't know. I think he's left that door open, but I don't know how open it is. I mean, I, our colleague Joe Varden wrote an article basically saying it's not open. Our other colleague, Jason Lloyd, who wrote an article saying basically LeBron said it's always open. So where do you stand with with what with the future of LeBron James? And, you know, obviously we can discuss the historic things that he's doing right now. But I just wanted to keep it Cleveland based first and foremost. Say that again, Hayden. You broke up there for a second. Ah, sorry about that. I just said with LeBron James, you know, with his Cavaliers future, I mean, he left the door open with Jason Lloyd and then Joe Varden kind of shut that door. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I, I know that he kind of, you know, I know that he always says like, oh, there's, you know, you never know what could happen. But like, I, I think that people are, there are people that don't want him back. There are people that think he would be good back. I just, I think, I think there's kind of a balance between realistic expectation. I mean, I think he loves playing in Cleveland. Obviously, he's lost one time to the Cavaliers, um, but he, you know, he relishes that environment. We saw it the other night. Um, you know, he was hanging out with his family, with his friends yeah. after the game for hours. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a realistic, or a realistic shot that he could ever return, or is it, you know, as Joe said, is it too much? 
too much LA, too much, you know, too much far gone. You know, his kids love it out there. His family loves it out there. And, you know, the, the Brownie thing that, that comes into play too. I mean, what do you think about the expect or the, um, level of chance that LeBron, you know, with when his time in LA is done, could potentially think about a re- one more return? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's dependent on a lot of factors, right? And one of those is what happens with Bronny, because LeBron has already said um, to anybody that will listen that he wants to finish his career by playing with Bronny. So that's part of it. There's no doubt about that. It's just, you know, there's a lot pointing to him staying in L.A. because of the lifestyle, because of his family, because of all those things. But I wouldn't close the door on it completely. I I, I think LeBron is still at a stage where he wants to win and he wants to be on a team that can compete for championships. And if we're being honest about it, like the Cavs are set up to take somebody like LeBron. He was always looking at it towards the end of his career. That's one of the reasons why he latched on with Kyrie eventually I'm going to pass the torch. Eventually I'm going to give somebody else the blueprint. Eventually somebody is going to have to take some of the burden off of me because I can't do it on my own. I'm still great. I can still play at an MVP level, but I can't be the carrier of a franchise the same way that I was earlier in my career. And that's a no does statement, but you, you would have to look at that and say, okay, like what kinds of pieces would he need in order to feel comfortable? in in that kind of situation. And it was supposed to be Anthony Davis that was eventually going to take over. Right. And uh, it seems like AD is having, you know, injury issues. And obviously the Kyrie thing happened going forward. But I I, I would venture to disagree with LeBron, obviously. I think he can. I think he's proving that he can, that he absolutely can carry a team. uh, Because without him, I I don't know where the Lakers would be if they would even be remotely anywhere near uh, a play-in spot, just given that what, you know, the disappointment that Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook has been, uh, the injury to AD. Uh, so you're right. I think that, I, I think that LeBron would fit very well in Cleveland, but. Uh, right, right, right. But, but to your point, not to cut you off. Yeah. But the Lakers are the ninth seed in the Western Conference. Right. Okay? Right. So like there's a, there's a limit to his, supernatural powers at this stage of his career. Sure. Because you're right. Without LeBron, they would be dead in the water. They would have no shot whatsoever. Okay. But like with LeBron playing at this ridiculous level, they are barely staying (laughs) in the play in tournament. Right. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. But I just look, I look at it and it's like, man, I really believe that they, uh, LeBron, I mean, you saw it the other night, Laurie Markkinen just was put through a, a blunder, and I felt bad for the guy because that's not yeah. that's not the kind of, you know, that's not the kind of defensive matchup he's ever going to win. But, like, it made me think that, like, man, if you had a – I mean, uh, this is so, going to sound so dumb. Like, man, if you had LeBron in Laurie's shoes, like, <laughs> the guy would be a lot, would be in a lot better situation. I mean, I mean, if you really look yeah. at it, and I know this is kind of dumb because it's hypothetical, but – if you put LeBron in the lineup with Darius Garland, Isaac Coro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, I mean, yeah. I, I don't see why they couldn't be the top seed in the East. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, this this roster is set up to take on somebody like LeBron, and, and he could help them get to the next level the same way 
he taught Kevin how to be a winner, right? The same way he taught Kyrie how to be a winner. He would be able to still be a great player and at the same time teach Evan Mobley a different kind of way, teach Darius Garland a different kind of way. So I'm just saying the setup of the Cavs roster would make sense and I think would be appealing to LeBron if he was looking for a place, if he, if he decided he wanted to leave the Lakers and he was looking for a place, a soft, comfortable landing spot that would give him an opportunity to compete, compete at the highest level, not just to get into the play-in tournament. Um, right. and, and the other thing, Hayden, is, yes, the Cavs want to do it on their own and they want to create their own legacy, and that's great but they're also not in any position as a franchise yet to turn their back on a top five talent in the NBA. They're not in that position for the right price, provided they don't have to break up the entire team to welcome LeBron. So if we're going to have any kind of conversation about LeBron coming back to the Cavs, I think it has to be um, done under the guise of they can't, look at him as the savior they can't do everything imaginable to bring him back you know what i mean like it has to be within the fabric of the team him maybe taking lesser money in free agency it can't be a situation where we're going to trade all the good pieces that you would want to come play with just so that we can bring you back that that's not what we're talking about here a hundred percent. And you, I don't even think they could trade for him. Like I don't, because I, they don't have any pieces that would be enough. I don't think like next year, LeBron's under contract with the Lakers. Like, I, and I, I mean, maybe a Colin Sexton, maybe you could trade a Colin Sexton in, but like, there's no other pieces. Like you can't get rid. I mean, I guess you could get rid of Isaac Kokoro, but that would not be appealing for the Cavaliers. You could, I mean, they, they their picks aren't going to be very good given that you're going to try to compete for championships. Like, you know, I would have a hard time Plus, seeing. I can't see. I can't see Los Angeles saying we're going to be the first team to trade LeBron. Exactly. Exactly. So I think we would have to wait until after next season, uh, right. when LeBron is a free agent, and then maybe he does take less money. Say, hey, two years till. So when Bronny would have to come in the league, when? What? Like, how old is he? He's a junior. I think it's twenty twenty four. Okay. Twenty twenty four. So maybe on, <laughs> it might, yeah, yeah. May, maybe it's well, yeah. and and you you would assume that he would try to go to your college, no? Yeah, he would have to go to it. No, I mean he would have to be one year out of high school. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna say like maybe you bring in LeBron on like a two year deal and try to just give him, you know, uh, a max contract or whatever, like try to fit him in that way and try to make the money yeah. work. But and then wait till Bronny comes in and then do what you got to do. But it, it's it's yeah. interesting and it's fascinating because uh, because before it would the reason it was such an incredible story because it like it looked like everything was the, the whole situation was not you know non tenable it wasn't going to ever happen and it did this time it seems like it's super tenable because you know you hear you hear the reception he gets when he's home and and uh, I think yeah. there's a love for him that wasn't there before so I think it's very tenable that he would come back it's just a matter of how could they do it? Could they do it? Do they want to do it, given this core that right. they have? I still think that they need, like, I think Darius is going to become that piece. I do. I think he's going to become that that superstar. But, like, it's this team still needs, like, that extra oomph. You know what I mean? If they're if we're talking, team, if we're talking, like, really competing yeah. for a championship. For sure. 
I'm right there with you. I agree with that. Like I said, I don't think they're in any position, despite all the good things that they've accomplished, to completely turn their back or close the door on that level of talent, especially at that position, which right. is still, you know, arguably their weakest spot. All right, Chris, I know you got to run. Sorry about that. But uh, enjoy Toronto. Oh, fine. Enjoy Toronto. Safe travels. Uh, Cavs got a big one tomorrow night. Um, get 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 into the country and out of the country safely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining the Wine and Talk Gold Talk podcast. Be sure to uh, sign up for Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page and your phone number. You're good to go. All sorts of Cavs insight analysis te- uh, and news sent straight to your phone. Go be do or go do that right now. Cleveland.com slash Cavs. In the meantime, look out for Chris's coverage on Cleveland.com slash Cavs as well. Thanks for everybody. Thanks everybody for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Take care.